Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. I'm Johnny Smith. I'm Richard Porter. This is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and many, many other things. I've never told you the story about the top secret genes, have I? <laughs> <laughs> I realised this this morning. I thought, of all the oh, st- stupid stories that we've regaled on this cast and on video, I don't think I've ever brought up the top secret genes. This is relevant no, to cars, just so you know. It, oh, it is? Okay, is, so first of all, top secret, is top secret a brand, or were they genes that were classified? No, this is a, 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 this is a brand, and um, this is back to, harks back to my Max Power days, Max Power magazine. Mm. So, let's set the scene. Somebody features, or the mag features some big Japanese tuning cars because they're in vogue at that time. Well, they still are, mm. but, you know, this was the the fast and, post-Fast and Furious 2, I think, yeah. um, when things were massive around big pad Supras, stuff like that. Yeah, They'd gone to Japan, um, one, a couple of members of the staff, and featured um, some of the, the tuning house cars. And one of the tuning houses in Japan, as a lot of listeners will probably know, is called Top Secret. And they were synonymous with doing um, mid- yeah. midnight club style um, kind of illegal uh, street racing. And Top Secret actually yeah. brought over the Supra to the UK and did 200 on the A1, which is irresponsible. Was, yes, I remember now. But, and, and he got deported. Smokey, uh, what was he called? Smokey. I nearly, Nagara, I, wasn't Smokey it? Nagara. I nearly called him Smokey Robinson, but it wasn't him. <laughs> 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 and the miracles. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> can you imagine Smokey Robinson and the Miracles in some really fucking hair-raising 900-horse super that's twitchy <laughs> AF? <laughs> Just, they're trying to sing a song to, along to the radio. The thing is stepping out everywhere. They're, try, they're just constantly trying to catch it. We'll take a good look. Whoa! <laughs> the tears of a clown. That is the, the tears. That is the tears, the of, tears a clown. of my trousers caused by a horrible incident on the A1. So, top secret. After this, after they they did all these shoots and and stuff for the mag, they came back. Yeah. And a couple of the, um, I think the, the the cover car was the top was a top secret skyline. And Top Secret sent a thank you package a few weeks later from Japan, of course, yeah. with some apparel in. And, yeah. and the the apparel we had, it was amazing. Every, everyone huddled Sorry. around. What's so funny? I don't, I don't know. I'm laughing already. Because everyone huddled around this, you know, Japanese package, which sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. And... Um, we opened it and it was a top secret jacket which was awesome like a sort of it looked like a 90s racing jacket with quite a lot of pigeon english on it from memory and yeah. um and a pair of 
It was a T-shirt and then a pair of top secret jeans, which we all were like, oh, my gosh, they make their own branded <laughs> jeans. <laughs> but, but even better than that, you know when jeans are sort of folded in a certain way in a shop, so you, you can't always tell the size of them, right? Yes. So we got them out. And then one of the lads, uh, one of the staffers, I think it was Dan, um, opened the jeans up to look at it. And they, they were about half the width that you'd expect a pair of jeans to be. <laughs> Now that's funny because as soon as you started describing this era, I imagined that they were in fact five times the width of a sensible pair of jeans and had a very very baggy demeanour to them. Well, because of the times. But go on. So they were the, incredibly the, thin. The, the cut of these jeans was so unusual. So this was the early two thousands. I was wearing very loose jeans, okay, mm. um, of the time, and these jeans, the, 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 they. Uh, well, we thought that they were women's jeans at first because they were sort of hipped, you know, in that way that... <laughs> but not only that, not only that, it's we opened them up and there was no sort of size gauge, I don't think, on them. In fact, they still exist, these jeans. Um, I've just messaged the guy that owns them, Mark Riccioni, who is a listener to this cast. Oh. Hey, Mark, who I used Hello, to work Mark. with a lot and uh, has, yeah. and indeed, a big power skyline. And um, he still owns these jeans because he was he was the junior staffer on the mag at the time, and, and he insisted on keeping them, even though he couldn't even get one leg into them. We all tried these jeans on because everyone was just crying with laughter. Nobody could fit them. It's like Cinderella's shoe, and um, the jeans were so narrow. I think they're like twenty four inch waist, something like that. But but quite a long, quite long. I mean, they were the oddest. To this day, we still talk about the top secret jeans. And (laughs) there was one guy in the office that managed to just about get them on, but couldn't breathe properly. He did it. He did did it just enough for a photograph that we could put in the bag. And he wore the top secret jacket, which sort of ended above the navel, so it looked like a crop top. uh, Oh, my God. Just so amazing. So, so essentially, you had to be a very slender, perma-smoking Japanese man to have a hope of getting into these, these clothes. These were smoking Nagata-spec clothes and mm-hmm. honourable. I think we hung them up. They were on a coat hanger in the office on display for a very long oh. time, the top-secret jeans. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah, they do still exist. I will get a photograph and I will share this photograph amongst our patrons because I don't want people to think that I make these stories up, okay? Because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks that. <laughs> I'm trying to dissect why the the prominent Japanese tuning company Top Secret would one day go, do you know what we need? Jeans. Spin-off it, jeans. It's true, isn't it? It's tuner jeans. T-shirts, yes. Sweatshirts, yes. Mugs, you know, usual sort of merch Yeah, maybe standards. a beanie, yeah. But jeans. I know, it's a big my commitment. Gym, there was a lad at my school, he was in the year above. Uh, he used to be, his surname was Hamer, but he used to be, for some reason, driven to the brink of madness by people constantly calling him Hammer, just to wind him up. Hammer? And right. yeah, which isn't even like it's not particularly. It's just just pronouncing his surname incorrectly. But apparently that really, really used to get to him. And he was a massive Man United fan to the extent that on non-uniform day he came in wearing a pair of Man United jeans. Wow! From memory, they had United like the club logo, and then I guess maybe Sharp with a sponsor back then down one leg. Yeah, they were horrible. I bet they were gross. 
I'm not particularly to football, but I am kind of fascinated by it. And I, yeah, I can sit down and watch a football match if I, I if can. I, to. I can. It's it's enjoyable. And um, but uh, I I love the, some of the phrases and turns terms that are used in football that are casually thrown out by people who know what they're talking about. But if you don't know what you're talking about, they they kind of snag the ear because they're interesting. And one of them is the technical area. Oh, I've never heard of that. Which I, I believe is where the manager and the the um, you know the sort of associated non-playing staff stand at the side of the pitch i think it's called the technical area is it the sort of the part pedestrian part ferme it is a bit like that well aren't they meant to stay in there like you, the manager can get a big bollocking from the ref if they start like charging about the place oh, they're supposed the, to stay the manager has to stay in a box yeah well the, i think that's called should i just look this up rather than talking more no i like making it up can area. we carry on and um, <laughs> i'm going to tell you now the top secret jeans had a technical area but unfortunately it wasn't big <laughs> enough <laughs> to, to keep all your equipment um, a technical area in association football is an area which uh, a manager other coaching personnel and substitutes are allowed to occupy during a match that's uh, that's the official definition oh, okay so, yeah. so you didn't make it up that's good yeah, well, it's just because I once heard the expression, and I can't even remember where, but I heard someone going, get back in your technical area. And I was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> I might start using that with the dog. I like Except that. Except she doesn't have a basket anymore. But if a dog had a, had a basket, just go, hey, no, keep away from that, that fresh food out on the workshop. Get back in your technical, technical area. area. I can imagine, I can imagine um, some very dedicated ravers using that term. <laughs> you know, like I, I used to have quite a few rave tapes, and there would always be the, the MC would always have to stop his lyrical genius and tell someone to cl- get off the speakers, or can the DJ have his yes. records back? I, and, and we used to, and we, we used to, we used to quote all this on the school bus in the morning. We go, uh, we go, oi, 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 get to the back of the stage. Mickey Finn wants his records. Anybody got Mickey Finn's records? Hey. And I used to, we just used to find it hilarious. Is what, what Mickey Finn, professional DJ, has turned up to DJ and then someone's just run away with his box of records. Someone's nicked his stuff, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, oh, you can, picture it, though, you can picture it, it would have happened. So maybe ravers need a technical area as well. A man with the demeanour of no-name full suspension mountain bike <laughs> would have half-inched the record box. Oh, he had made an absolute. He would have grabbed it and gone into such a full-scale run, knowing yeah. full skeletally faced and rustly of anorak. He's off. Yeah, he would have done. What shoes would he have been wearing? Ooh, well, it's the nineties we're talking about, yes. here, isn't it? Or is it the early? 2000s? Yeah, I'm going to say this is about ninety-three. Mind you, I saw a picture of um, my sometime colleague Richard Hammond that someone put on social media this week and copied me in, uh, and it's a picture of him in the early two thousands. Very baggy clothes. Yes. Particularly the sort of quite surprisingly voluminous bootcut jean. <laughs> he he was always thought, a fan of the bootcut, yes. though, Hammond. Well, we were, I mean, early Top Gear from 2000 and 2002 up until, well, I don't know, sort of the late noughts yeah. was essentially a rolling advert for the bootcut jean, wasn't it? It's just, <laughs> the, I, it, it, it didn't seem strange at the time. It's only looking back, you go, Bloody hell. Yeah, it was boot. They were, Christ, I mean, some well, of I wore some flares. Yeah, I wore some. I yeah, wore I some. did as well. I wore actual flares I, in the late 90s. Late 90s? Well, it would have been the late, no, probably mid, mid. Yeah. I don't really remember. I'm not willing to commit. But I, yeah, it's I gorged on bootcut jeans when I worked in Neck in the late nineties. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they actually sold jeans that weren't bootcut. Come to think of it, it was like even the ones that 
Even the ones that weren't, you put them on and they were, they were just like surprise boot cut. They're but no, the reason I mentioned dangerous this is because for the clutch I was looking, control for pedal box. Dangerous for so much boot surplus cut was material for, for pedal box complications. Did, did you um did you ever though the boot cut because they sort of sat low and loose at the bottom <laughs> that slowly the back of your shoe would wear a little sort of like railway tunnel through the back of the jeans. <laughs> they always looked terrible after you'd worn them for, a, oh, for uh, only uh, a few months. Oh, they a got big, really frayed. Boot cuts after a big night out. Big night out boot cut oh, next in God. session. They're um oh, they they look haggard. Absolutely haggard. And well, also a range of spilt boozes just start to wick up the back of the boot oh, if, <laughs> if they reach the knee it's time to go home if it was authentic late 90s very early 2000s it would have been it's soaked in red bull probably a little bit mm. pissy as well because it will have gone into a yeah. jet's toilet uh, yeah. acting as a denim mop <laughs> <laughs> well anyway the reason I mentioned this is because I saw this picture of Hammond and I was like bloody hell very baggy clothes in I think it was sort of 2003 or yeah. thereabouts yeah. And, uh, and I suddenly thought actually no that was acceptable at the time but it still it looks very 90s and you realise and I think we've talked about this before that decades aren't neatly defined by the actual years no in terms of trends sort of spiritually the, the, the 90s leaked into the 2000s I think what happens is is obviously mainstream fashion takes a while to drip feed in from high fashion, doesn't it? Mm. There's very mm. few people that will make the switch. It isn't like a light switch. We're not yeah. going to go from boot cut to skinny in a, in a week. It's just no, not something not you would do. No. Um, and maybe it's like that with cars, I don't know. You, you sort of The genre of cars kind of be- become mainstream from being more niche, and it seems to happen yeah. quickly, but maybe it hasn't. Maybe, maybe it, it drip feeds for a long time, and then suddenly before you know it, Manufacturers aren't selling a normal hatchback car anymore, and you go, "What? What, yeah, what happened to that?" True. Yeah, and then well, it's happening, isn't it? It's happening, and then you feel riddled with guilt. Now, actually, this since we're talking about style, I wanted to mention that new BMW XM, which seemed to get people all hot and bothered last week. Yes, and everybody started raging about the way it looks. I mean, we were sort of warned about this by the concept version, mm. and. Um, this one is obviously a sort of evolution, an iteration of the concept for production. And it might be controversial, but I'm going to say I don't hate it. Right. I really don't hate it. I think, I mean, it's obnoxious. It's very obnoxious, yes. Obnoxious is exactly the word to describe it. It is obnoxious. But, and I don't, I don't like it, I don't want one, but I don't think it's a terrible piece of design compared to a lot of recent BMWs. And I know that's a hell of a caveat because a lot of recent BMWs have been absolute horse plot. <laughs> I was going to say that is it's quite a caveat. It's reasonably well resolved. <clears throat> Everything sort of makes sense. You can see what they're trying to do. Whereas like that um, IX, IX, I just think is absolute flabby toss. It's just terrible in all ways. The interior, by the way, is sensational nice mm. the bmw's interior design team is at the top of their game doing really great work and then the exterior lot have had another huff on the crack pipe and decided <sighs> that they're just going to do all these irregular shapes that don't match up um yeah they must, that respect, they must have I think a it's sort fight. of like one's letting the side down aren't they they're supposed to be a team yeah. venture but if you look at it i think that xm it's like all the sort of angles and things are all broadly it all sort of matches so it's got a kind of neatness to it 
that makes it make sense. And like I say, it is it is still quite revolting because it's an enormous SUV, mm. and it, it 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 you just think of the kind of person who wants to buy one. Oh, That's what they want above all else. They want that, and you just go. Surely therapy would be cheaper, but yeah. I still, I just don't think it is the horrendous piece of design that the IX is, or that some of the other sort of ways they've. In fact, they've, they've leaked photos of the new um, M2, M2. And that looks a bit cack-handed as well. It does. It looks, it looks like a first draft, um, yeah. of which there should be about seven more. Well, I thought it looked like it was sort of an aftermarket body kit by you know, sort of Veilside or somebody, where they're just they're just a bit a bit heavy-handed. Because that's what people who want to replace the bumpers on an M2 would want. They don't want something that looks factory. They want the one veil side, yeah, yeah, or ve- ve- veal for. side, as we used to call oh, it. Is it veal? No, side? it's veal side. It? We used to call it veal side on Mac sometimes. Okay, just because I I just had the amazing idea that a meat body kit would look quite funny. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but. I'm just going to pull in here. No, don't. There's some stray dogs. Keep moving. <laughs> No, it'd have to be very well dry cured, so there's not quite a, much oh, of a see. smell going on anymore. No, the dogs would still go for it. Yeah, actually, they would. They've got a good sense They've of got smell. An incredible dogs. sense of smell. Yes, you're right. Yeah, amazing facts <coughs> from Smith and Sniff. Yes. Did you know dogs have got a good sense of smell? No way. Thanks, I Rich. think. Thanks, John. I think you've been quite level-headed about the BMW XM. I think you you probably are on the nose with that comment. It's very difficult to detach just pure irrational dislike for and i and, and i i get upset because i think if they put that kind of effort into a, a really nice five series estate or you know ford did that thing in america was it called the fusion which was oh that sort of yes. the flex yes. the flex which was a big estate car that looked the, a little yeah. bit like a truck and it wasn't high up it was low down and it was yes, really it was like an suv but low ex- exactly so kind of like it a, an estate car that was a little bit more utility kind of spec and i thought mm. it was one of ford's best products of of years and i really wanted one but yeah. obviously you can't buy one in british spec and i wasn't going to drive around in a four liter v6 or whatever it was but um yeah i really really wish they would do something less suv and like i suppose the obnoxiousness does offend me hugely sorry if you can hear a clacking in the background my tortoises are <laughs> around my feet because it's a bit cold for them outside yeah they are yeah 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 and of course they don't make any noise unless they're having intercourse so all you hear is the sort of shell clack now and again if they if they miss an apex the torts <laughs> the torts are sort of but they, they tend to bang around because they're a little bit uh Sort of Parisian parking, really, with tortoises. They don't really mind because it doesn't hurt them, so it's okay. And uh, the the male tends to just clack into the female because he thinks the best way to attract a possible mate is to do light panel damage, which I've tried to inform Ken. I'm holding him up to the microphone, even though you won't hear him because he doesn't really do it or say anything. But he's a charismatic dinosaur. Now, I've written on my list, actually. We were talking about, I don't know, a bit about technical box and rave. This mm. thing that I forwarded you this morning from, a, from a, uh, someone on Instagram, the Hyundai N Eurobeat playlist. Oh, my God. Something I was not aware of, and apparently it's been going on now for at least a year, if not two years. Yeah. Again, we'll put this link on for patrons. Hi- apparently, Hyundai's performance arm do a very, very long, high-energy... Um, dance mix 
um, and put it on YouTube against a backdrop of driving ferociously quickly around the Nürburgring, which I find quite chaotic. But also, yeah, the, I mean, you said the music's extremely Euro. It's Euro, even beat, more Euro, sort of you're modern expecting. Euro beat. I put it on. You sent me that link. Yeah, I was just having some breakfast before we started recording, and I thought I'll stick this on. And I had to take it off after about three tracks because it was quite exhausting for very early in the morning. <laughs> it's a bit intense. I mean, I do, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm down with the bit of Eurobeat, but it was, it was so Eurobeat, I suddenly realised I'd sort of grown a very thin moustache. <laughs> hair was getting longer at the back. Oh, yeah, you'd have a so, very wispy moustache like the keyboardist very, from Soft Cell. Yeah. <laughs> Almost you know, the sort of sex offender, Tash. Yeah, um... <laughs> I've just had a message in about the jeans, about the JDM jeans. What? I've made a mistake. They were not top secret. The jacket was top secret. I think the oh. the jeans were veil side. No way. They were veil side jeans. And according oh, to Mark, is this from Mark? Yeah, he's put, they're actually veil side jeans. Japanese measurement size 100, which by my measurements is around 20 to 22 inch waist. Oh my god! Which explains why pretty much nobody could get them anywhere near. I mean, most people got them on one leg and then just gave up. <laughs> there was this in in office competition: who could get the JDM jeans on? <laughs> <laughs> JDM jeans. <laughs> but anyway, oh sorry. So yeah, the the high the high end IN Eurobeat playlist is bonkers, intense, so intense, and doesn't. I don't know what the point of it was. Someone's commissioned this. It's it's on the Hyundai yeah. N official YouTube channel. And mm. um, so it's quite amusing. But the other thing that I like about it is I was thinking to myself, as I'm watching the, the, the video of fast on it driving on the, on the green hell, that mm. would be a challenge in itself. So you don't just do the green hell uh, at, at nine tenths. You have to do it whilst listening to this music loudly in the cockpit. Now, that would be difficult, wouldn't it? Do you not think? It's interesting. Yes. And over the I put on, there's two of these N playlists, they're calling them. I put on uh, Nürburgring Eurobeat Dash number two. Of course you did. And, uh, and over the opening shots as the Eurobeat starts, there's a counter of some sort on the dashboard of the car presume it's timing lapse or something this is all at night as well in the Nürburgring of course because during the day is too safe yeah you know it would look stupid at daytime shots and there's a little counter but it sort of looks like it it's just the cd player in the car like that the music is in fact playing inside the racing car as it's you know doing that oh brilliant you know, those endurance races they have those intense flashing lights to warn back markers to get out of the way yes and there's a lot of the opening shots. There's a lot of it just coming up hard behind other cars and then flashing them, and all set. This <laughs> and it's, it's. I mean, it is. It's. It's certainly early in the morning. It sort of puts a grip around your brain that you don't necessarily want. Is this? Is this something about endurance racing we don't know about? That actually, to keep themselves awake and on it, they have to listen to to high energy Eurobeat. And if you drive for a, a German team, it's obligatory mm. anyway, but then the Koreans have adopted it too. Yeah, well, um, that's it. They've just learned from the best. Yeah, and, uh, and those lights that you saw flashing, actually, it's probably, is it a Pioneer single <laughs> CD? Pioneer single CD head unit with the jumping animated dolphins on which they were like, well, it's still industry standard for them and it doesn't ever skip regardless of how fast you're pushing on. 
So, Did Pioneer head units have dolphins on the display? I don't know if it was Pioneer, but someone listening to this will know. There was a, an iconic yeah. animated uh, head unit that was really popular in, the, I think, the late 90s, I'm going to say. And it had animated mm. dolphins jumping in and out of an ocean. And it would scroll... But f- done with a, with a sort of LCD... Um, Display. Yeah, like I remember first generation Game Boy. Imagine that, but but oh, but okay, lit, yeah. lit, um, yeah, backlit, yeah. Um, and you could okay. change the the colours of that, so it obviously could be blue dolphin animation or red or orange or turquoise or so on. But yeah, I can't remember what what make CD player. I nearly said nationality CD player was, but um, someone will know. Uh, I've never owned one. I can imagine that will work perfectly with Eurobeat Hyundai N playlist. I think that would. Yes. Which I, I've got, I'm going to have to listen to a little bit more of it. It's the sort of thing I think when I do washing up, I might put that on. Ooh, that could work, couldn't yeah. it? So, so it takes your mind off the mundane, gets you in the zone. Yeah. Before you know it, you've just you've you've detailed the whole kitchen. I was going to say. I mean, I know you like to listen to music while you brush your teeth for some reason, but I, I wouldn't put it on for that. I, you'd suddenly find you've got all your gums are bleeding because you've accidentally been too intense. Sorry, can you hear that? That absolute ring piece of a gardener, whoever it is, that it seems to know exactly when I'm recording, no matter what time that is, and gets the pissing leaf blower out. Abs- I swear to God, I'm going to go and shove it up his asshole. Well, I think you should, but make sure it's on full ball when when you when you do that um, and inflate him. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, we're talking about um, the the sort of ob- obnoxious SUV thing. Yeah. One other thought: it, this increasing world of synthesized exhaust note. Because I heard, a, yes, I think it was an SQ7 um, going in and out of the school car park recently, and I, I could tell immediately mm. it was synthesized. Um, Mm. exhaust note which I found I don't know I did grip my teeth a little um, mm. it's everything that I don't agree with at the moment but um, uh, I made me wonder whether is it a bit like there was a song that I, I um, from the 80s that I only learnt recently doesn't have real bag, bagpipes in it they're keyboard bagpipes and I feel cheated as a result hey. Do you remember the song um, You're the Voice? Is it by John Farnham? John Farnham, yes. Okay, John Farnham. Which is the sort of unofficial Australian national anthem, isn't it? What? Is it? Yeah. Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're the Voice, Australian listeners will be able to confirm this. You're the Voice is like, it's just it's just a, a thing in Australia. It's it, Everybody knows and sings that song in you know, sort of crowd situations, I, I believe. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. Yeah, so, it is. It's the unofficial Australian national anthem. Australians listening, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that it has a sort of very significant place in Australian culture. Oh, I'd like to know this. Well, it's a good song. It's uplifting. Um, the thing is, is I've always known about the song having keyboard clapping in it at the beginning. We know that this is keyboard clapping, okay? Yeah. We also know there's a lot of fretless bass in it. You can hear it in the intro. Is there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. Well, if it oh. if it isn't, it's clever keyboard um, equivalent. It's a bit like when you do online shopping and they say, we haven't got exactly what you wanted, but we've given you a substitute, which you think is nearly the same. So you asked for fretless bass, but I've actually given you warbly keyboard synth. <laughs> is it as far away from that? You asked for Lurpak butter. We haven't got any of that. So what we've given you is vegetarian sausages. <laughs> It's exactly like that. So, the, the other voice. Understand about the keyboard clapping. 
Um, but I always thought that the bagpipes were real, and they're not. And I now feel cheated. But um, I believe John Farnham's not very well. So, uh, oh, I think he's not very well. So if that's the case, and if I got my news correct, I want to wish him um, all the best for a speedy recovery. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I can't believe that's an Australian anthem when it's got bagpipes in it. I'm just deeply geographically confused now. I can hear those bagpipes in my head, and I'm not sure that I ever thought they were real bagpipes because they're sort of. I don't know. I'm going to have to go and listen to that song. Yeah, now. you are. Yeah, my tortoise. I'm going to have to just break my tortoise up. Just one second, because he's he's okay. n- he's nipping at her. He's trying to give her intercourse. Uh, it's not no fair. It's not fair. It's too early. No. Hang on. I mean. Given the timescale in which tortoises must work, it's surely he... he... <laughs> You're listening to Smith and Sniff, Britain's leading podcast for calling tortoises wankers. Tortoise mating, mating ritual is quite aggressive. Uh, involves yes. quite a lot of limb nipping, which I'm not really down with. But anyway... Uh, where were um, we? Where now, were look, we? I we once again uh, dropped the ball last week it would have been opposite oh, to no. mention this last week we discussed it off air we'd said we must talk about the card <laughs> at the queen's funeral oh yeah and, and we didn't neither of us wrote that down and we didn't <laughs> and it just felt like i mean it feels like you know sometimes we could record these shows you know we could have recorded them in, in 1942 and it wouldn't make any difference we're just talking drivel and it's but but we do you know we record this show every week just before it goes out pretty much it's like so uh, Queen's Funeral, yeah. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about it was because of the Jaguar XJ hearse in which Her Majesty made her final journey yes. to Windsor. And I saw a lot of people on death socials and also people messaging us commenting on the very attractive alloy wheels that were on that hearse. And um, I actually... I was, I'd noticed it myself and was sort of... I was like, I'm not going to tweet about this because it just feels inappropriate at the time. But they are quite attractive wheels. They were, you never see them around, but they were factory wheels for that XJ. Were they? Yeah, they were actually. Well, I'm looking at them There's a bit now. of a backstory. When that car came out, which was, what, was it 2010, something like that? I reckon it um, was 10. My daughter was a little bubba. It might have been 09. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yes, it might have yeah. been. They, well, they, so those were an optional 20-inch wheels. They're called Amirante, was the name given to the style. Um, they weren't standard on any model. You had to order them. I can't remember, but I'm, I'm suspecting they were quite expensive as an option, so nobody bothered. 
They were designed. I'm looking at them now. I like them. They're nice, aren't they? They're like a Bentley wheel. Uh, yes, they are, aren't they're they? They're similar yeah. to a Bentley wheel that I'm, I don't know the yeah. name of, but quite well, They've flat. got that sort of very classical, stately sort of look to them, but without being fuddy-duddy. They're just cool. Aren't they? They're yeah. really cool wheels. Uh, they were designed for a potential Daimler version of that XJ, which never happened. Uh, that would explain a lot. Right. If you remember, that XJ, the um, X351 in Jaguar codes, was the first XJ not to have a Daimler spin-off. Uh, but they were thinking of doing one, and those wheels were created. So you can see that makes sense because they yeah. have a sort of, you know, sort of slightly more formal look to them. So those were real; they're real Jag wheels. Now, that that hearse has been in storage for ages. What waiting for the Queen to pass away? Well, basically, yeah, they decide to commission a new royal hearse. Yeah, for in the event of the worst happening, and. You can tell it's quite old because it's based on the original version of that XJ, not the facelift with the different headlights and stuff. So as far as I can gather, and the thing is, I wanted to know more about the hearse, so I contacted Jaguar through official channels, you know, and went to uh, someone we know in the press office and received no reply to my message. And so I messaged again and went, are you not allowed to talk about this at all? And they just went, yeah. Correct, yeah. So absolute silence from jaguar they simply do not discuss this car uh so i had to do a bit of digging around what i can tell you is that it was made by a company called wilcox um who make a lot of those hearses and it's sort of based on their standard xj hearse that they used to convert at the time and it was done i think about 10 years ago possibly more with cooperation from jaguar to make sure that it was absolutely top-notch and then it was just put in storage. Didn't the Queen have a hand in some of the spec of it, though? Now, I believe that this is not true. OK. From my digging and talking to some people who cannot be named, uh, who have connections with Jaguar, from what I gathered, this is this is not true. The press got a bit carried away and started saying, oh, the Queen personally signed off on it. She didn't. It seems that Prince Charles, King Charles now, might have had a hand in it. Yeah. And he was the one from the palace who who signed it off but the queen herself didn't actually get involved right okay okay this is what i believe now the only thing i cannot find out for sure which is the most frustrating thing is what engine it had Mm. because we know the queen was quite into her cars yeah and that story i've mentioned before on which i put in one of my trivia books about how she in the early 2000s got a brand new defender 110 with a special v8 installation from the factory and an automatic gearbox and she took delivery of it and then shortly afterwards they got a message from the palace at solihull that said um her majesty's wondering could you take the car back and fit it with a manual gearbox please (laughs) yeah so the queen was a helmstress we know that so i'd love to imagine that her final journey was behind a v8 preferably supercharged i was going to say it must have been the supercharged five liter mustn't it um i no one i've asked on or off the record can confirm because no genuinely nobody seems to know which is strange because you know that car was in plain sight but i think it was probably the v6 diesel because that is what wilcox built all of their other conversions on and of course we can't look up this the license plate because there isn't a registration exactly plate. so it's it's, yeah. it's exempt from being registered because it's the queen's official carriage or whatever the yeah. terminology is i have to say i think it looks ace 
Mm. Uh, I'm a big fan of hearses, uh, not in a macabre way. <laughs> I just think they're cool. And I don't associate, weirdly, um, maybe it's just me being odd, but I don't associate them with death. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I just like them because I like them, and that's that. But I, um, after the uproar of the Queen's first sighting in a hearse being in that older E-class Mercedes, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Which people were absolutely... Uh, outraged by they were so offended yeah. and and I and I can't I see I see it and I don't entirely I have to be completely honest at the time um the day of the queen's actual funeral I was doing my last day of moving house so although I oh. paused and paid my respects I was loading and unloading a Luton body van all day f- until the sun went down so I, that's what I will remember from the Queen's funeral. I, I, I took my kids to the woods. There's some woods near here. And I took my kids up there because they're just, you know, day mm. off school. My wife's away. So I need to just go and take them out, get them some fresh air and the dog. Yeah. So we all went up to the woods, met up with a friend of mine and his kids. But then it came to the two minute silence and we were watching bits of the funeral on my friend's phone while the kids had a little tear around. And the two minute silence was coming up and he said, oh, well, here we go. And he put his phone, he rested his phone on the branch of a tree. And we sort of stood and we thought, we'll stop talking and we'll, you know, we'll do the right thing. I'll be respectful. About halfway through the two minute silence, my daughter fell off a log and I had to go and rescue oh, a no. crying child from a glade, which sort of spoiled the solemnity of the occasion. But, um, a glade. Yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of, I don't know. I, then we got home and I stuck the funeral on thinking, well, the kids aren't interested in it. And actually, like my boy, he's eight. He was kind of fascinated with it for a while. And it was just watching the procession. But I don't know. There's something about it. It was quite weirdly compelling TV. Well, it doesn't. I, it's not an event that's happening, that happens very often, is it? And I mean, this is, no. I know that this has all been talked about weeks ago, but in true Smith and Sniff style, we, we approach it a month We're later. We're absolutely on the money, <laughs> as <laughs> usual. <laughs> hey, look, we talked about that BMW XM, which proves that we didn't record this two weeks ago. So, yes. Um, now, talking of absolutely compelling television, mm. have you seen this Ogmios and his School of Zen motoring thing on YouTube? What? I've never heard of it. There's this guy. He's actually uh, a rapper. Well, he's a teacher. By day, I think. Ogmios. Ogmios. O G M I O S. Uh, but he's also he he was a, a a musician and a rapper, and he just occasionally puts up these YouTube videos, and it's just a dash cam of him driving around London while he just talks about what's going on. But the, he's incredibly chilled, and he just comments on people crossing the road. Yeah, it's a great run there. A little wave, really. Seal the deal there. That was cool. And it's he he actually sort of says it's ASMR because his voice is so relaxing. And it's funny. He's really funny. And I just I discovered this last week and I'm absolutely obsessed. Apparently the BBC gave him a show. It's on um really? it's on iPlayer. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Well, and it's, it's just, just the same. It's just dashcam stuff. Dashcam. But he he just he just does He's just, you know, it's there's something incredibly positive about it, because even it's all around London. It's actually all around sort of bits of North London that I used to haunt. So it kind of, I suppose, it has an extra resonance for me. But I just like the fact that he'll be like, you know, driving down Stoke Newington High Road or something, and he'll be, he'll be kind of going, yeah, you cross over there, my friend. I got all the time, and it's just, it's just really, really. He just seems like a really cool guy, <laughs> really chilled, and 
that's what makes it, that's why it's called Zen Motoring. That sounds, I love it. He's got exactly the right attitude to be able to drive in London without losing your mind. It's just, he's just like, yeah, accept that this is all part of a bigger ecosystem and you've just got to, you know, play your part in being good, letting people go, letting people cross. Just, does he, just did he actually say that? Play, he doesn't say it in so many words. Ecosystem like that. Well, that's the thing. No, he does actually sort of imply these things. We're all just trying to get where we want to go. You know, it's just it's. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it's, it's one of those things where you describe it as I am now, and you kind of go, "Really, is that good?" And you watch it, and it is absolutely delightful. Okay, here's a scene I want you to um, imagine. Have you ever loaded things into onto a car, gone mm. on a journey? Arrived at your destination with less things. <laughs> Have you done that? I don't think so. So, for example, a friend of my sister-in-law's, they went down to Cornwall on holiday with a huge roof box and mm. he forgot to shut it properly. Oh, no. And he was... Um, <laughs> I'm laughing now because... he They were driving and... He, he he saw in the rearview mirror at one point they were just talking and the kids in the car blah blah blah. He noticed that um, there was <laughs> they looked looked in his mirror and he saw a pair of jeans on the road and and were they JDM jeans <laughs> they were they were veil side jeans and um twenty one inch waist yeah um and. It turns out that he hadn't clocked, they hadn't clocked or heard that all of their clothes were being, <laughs> being gradually, <laughs> gradually purged out of the car. They got down to Cornwall and had to buy all new clothes for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Did he not notice them flying past the back window? Apparent, what car was it? An Audi A6 estate, I think it was. Oh, estate. Okay, so I suppose, well... For some reason, yeah, I was imagining a car with a sort of a more raked back window, so you would you'd sort of see like you know a pair of pants slithering down, getting snagged by a <laughs> rear wiper, and then flying off onto the M5. But maybe not. I, I, uh, yeah, I. Um, <laughs> that is amazing that they got all the way there. They got all the way there. Nobody. Oh, that's no, so British. Nobody had said place. anything. I mean, they would have been following it, and just things would have been jettisoning, <laughs> wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, anyway, I say this because. Two days ago, I loaded up my late father-in-law's trailer, you know, the, the small uh, yes. allotment spec trailer that I've got, mm. Um, mm. borrowing my brother's car because I, I needed a car with a tow bar that, that wasn't a chimney. And, um, what is, is this the, the Mark IV Gold? This is the, the very... Scrapyard tyres. This is very... Well, the tyres are scrapyard, but they're, they're good. Very frilly mm. front wings, and yeah. the ABS light flickers at you like somebody trying to sort of like give you the eye in a pub. Mm. And but anyway, so I did a car swap with Greg. He had my insight for a bit. I I had that. I had to quickly load it up with two children's beds. Uh, you know the the the, fra- oh. the frames. Right. I was a bit stressed. There was lots of things going on on that day. Um, I had to also um, get the tortoises. The tortoises were in the. Um, on the back seat in a, in a large box. Right. I was running late because um, a neighbour had talked at me while I was loading the beds and I had to quickly get on with it, so I'd lost about half an hour. And I didn't... I, I, I just loosely bungeed the the top bed on. I wedged the bottom bed in and then the top bed mm. bit, I, d- I didn't. Anyway, needless to say, 
a, a journey of two miles, no more than two miles, and I didn't do more than 40. And I checked my mirrors a lot. Mm. And I jumped out of the car when I got to the house where I was unloading, ran round to the back of the car and went to unload the, the bed. And I just, it honestly, I stood there for about 10 seconds going, that looks like one bed. I'm sure that's one bed, but where's the other bed? And I looked around like as if it's just oh oh I I went down <laughs> on my I up. went down on my hands and knees and looked underneath this very small trailer thinking oh maybe it's just <laughs> under there. No, it's not under there, Johnny. You absolute dick. And it had gone. It had oh. it, it had gone and I hadn't noticed and I had that the the blood drained out of my face. I got straight back in the the ghetto golf and mm. retrace my steps really worried that i'd that i'd caused a horrific crash or something because you know mm. it's quite serious and um got back to nearly my old house so very close to when i started the journey it seems yes. and i saw my daughter's bed in a hedge oh and it had it had taken off i think it had taken off and then it, it, I thought, it's not in 100 pieces. Oh, my gosh. So I went and lifted it out of the hedge, and in one corner was gashed, um, mm. but not broken. And it was fully in the hedge. And I was thinking, how on earth did that arrive there? I was only doing 40 at the most. I was cruising. Um, and, it, yeah, it and it seemingly mm. hadn't, hadn't hit anything, anybody. Nobody knew, even knew it was there. Uh, but it was wow. it was a bit of a walk of shame, you know, going and pulling over, has a yeah. warning lights on, <laughs> rubbish trailer, and then suddenly it looks like you're picking litter out of the hedge that just happened. And I, I'm saying this on the cast because I haven't actually told anybody about this because I'm too ashamed. Oh, that's okay. So no, my, my daughter nice. actually slept on the bed last night and she has no idea that that bed was in a hedge about 48 hours ago. So what, what about the, the gashed up bit of, is that... Was it concealed? Uh, yes, the wall amazingly. Yeah, it's on the lower. It's on the lower part of the bed um, of the facade bit, and you can't uh, really see it unless you get down on your hands and knees. I mean, I'm so lucky, and I and, you I, were lucky, and I thank my I thank God that it didn't end up frisbeeing into oncoming traffic or something. But um, yeah, yeah. So oh my God, or even just on the road, and then a you know an enormous. I was going to say Seddon Atkinson. That's a rather out of date. Oh, that's a very old enormous truck. Lorry just ran over it. Said <laughs> Hispano Suiza ran over it. Um, uh, speaking of things that have only been given away on the podcast, just a quick update on last week. Um, my wife is now back from her business trip. She got back last night. Oh, um, cool! And sure, regular I. listeners may yeah, she could. Uh, she may remember that uh, I bought a Panda hundred horsepower and haven't told. Oh her. shit! Yes. Um, well, I, I I still haven't told her because she got back yesterday. And she's very jet lagged, you know. We've got a lot of other things to catch up on, and of course, she hadn't seen the kids for almost two weeks, and so there was that. And I, I just didn't want to spoil the moment by going. Oh, by the way, I've bought a car. We don't need. Um, uh, no, don't don't so spoil told, the moment because it's not parked on the drive. It's parked outside the house, a little bit down the street. Oh. So she hasn't made the connection. And Richard, this morning she was rooting. She was rooting around in the kitchen drawer just before I came up here to record the podcast, looking for her keys. Oh, and I thought she's going to just go. Hang on, why are the keys to a Fiat in this drawer? But she she didn't spot them. So shit. Uh, as of the time of recording, she still she still doesn't know. So what? Do you, what uh, next she week, I'm do? pretty sure. I don't know. I mean, you know, 
she might just go okay fine yeah whatever it's just i don't i don't i think now the point is that i haven't i'm leaving the later i leave it the more she's going to be offended i didn't tell her yes she is i just told her straight away at the time it's kind of you know she's going well it's your money you blithering idiot but um but because i'm trying to keep it a secret or it appears like i'm trying to keep it a secret. so i'm gonna to have to tell her um i guess later today tonight whatever uh, but at the moment, it remains an unshared bit of information. Oh, and, I, feel, I um, feel the nervousness um, through. Yeah, from- I think I'm making it worse now. You I'm are. into the making it worse territory. <laughs> but uh, anyway, there we are. Uh, also, catching up on something from uh, last week very quickly, um, and with a due sense that uh, we shouldn't go back to this. But uh, Chody Shifters. Oh, we should definitely. We should definitely go back to. <laughs> We've had so many messages about Chody Shifters. Have we? I think the one, the one that's won out by far as a nomination for the chodiest of shifters from so many listeners i can't even I think i know the answer to this yeah caterham seven. Oh, oh, very strong very very buried penis. Why, what were you gonna no, say no i'm going in hard with mercedes clk gtr oh yeah because it's there's no shaft at all it's just a ball that's just flush with the ground in fact i don't yeah. even know how it moves it's like it's got opposing magnets and it just sort of yeah. <laughs> i don't even know but honestly it's so chody it's ridiculous <laughs> it is isn't it it's so chody honestly it's ludicrous how many messages we had about this and it's I, like I'm a bodybuilder that's some... had an ice bath and then taken a selfie yes. taken a dicky selfie and just <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was looking for messages to read out and I, in fact I alighted on a message that has nothing to do with this but is all the better for it uh, from a patron called Stephen Pooley who just sent us a message that said I crashed my bike into a lamppost looking at a Vauxhall senator Re- Really? Is this, is this <laughs> yeah. recently? Yeah, uh, what I like about this is that Stephen has kind of done the too long didn't read version at the top, it just says what I've just read out but then he's elaborated below, he says Hi both, just thought I'd share a funny story with you Last week I was cycling home from work listening to your podcast as I do every journey Coming towards me was a Navy Vauxhall Senator brackets egg crate grill oh. I wanted to see what spec it was and wasn't paying attention I rode straight into a lamp post as it came oh, past oh my God. I was fine, but unfortunately I never got to see what spec it was so, uh, well, thank you for your dedication to the Vauxhall Senator course, Stephen, and for letting us know about that. Thank, it's quite, thank it's, you. It's good to know that people are prepared to risk their lives to find out if it was a 2.5 or a 3 litre. Uh, I wonder or if it had, later 2.6. I wonder if it had a Cobra head shift, auto shifter or if it was a well, well. yeah, we... Now, again, I haven't prepared for this. I should have done, but there's... Now, somebody on Twitter pointed out that Vauxhall did a, a good Cobra head in the um, uh, Mark III Cavalier. <laughs> It does make me laugh. It's because it reminds me of that recent re- rebooted series. Is it on Netflix called Cobra Kai? You know that that's the yes. offshoot of Karate Kid. <laughs> and I keep thinking, actually, it's a it's Chody Shifter versus Cobra Head. It it does sound like a sort of karate blowout. Um, <laughs> Oh, um, uh, there's a listener called Joe Tops who points out that there's there's a car which contains. Uh, a cobra shifter and a chode what in in the same model depending on whether you specify automatic or manual and the car is the porsche 928 oh yeah it has got a little chode what chode for manual but then a very um a very now i i remember these and i think it was they hammerhead shark hammerhead it's like a hammerhead shark i do remember it hasn't it got a rubber gator though isn't it a rubber? Yes, on the auto, yeah, yeah. very sort of like a, an accordion. <laughs> it's a rubber accordion, yeah, um, it is. 
I saw one the other also day parked sh- up. I took a photo of it in town. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'll send you a pic. It's, it was quite cool. A listener called Mark Willie Mackay, which, or it might be Wiley Mackay. I apologise if it is Mark. Um, but Mark uh, says that uh, <laughs> he sends a, pic- a picture of his um, of the sh- of the shifter in his Mark 1 Focus 1.6. Sweet, sweet car. What a sweet car that oh. would be. He sends a picture of the shifter. I can see that his 1.6 has got a heated windscreen as well. What a lovely spec. Uh, but he's, <laughs> uh, he describes the shifter in that as circumcised. Um, which it, it's, uh, I think he, it, I don't even think I want to get into it. The reason I, I'm giving <laughs> I Mark a thank you is because Mark's the guy who sent that video that I forwarded on to you of that bus driver, that coach driver. Oh, my word. I, I, I for- with Oh, Again, I'll put this link up on the Patreon, but the, the, the guy who's doing fingertip shifts, we, we agreed, didn't we, it must be a pre-selector because it looks like oh. an H-gate shift, but it's so light to the touch that you can do it with pretty much just one finger. Listen, listeners, this is, this is the most captivating automotive video I've ever seen, even more than, than the rough yellow bird going around the ring with the slip-on shoes. This tops that, I would say. It's the lightest finger and thumb. It's like, imagine... Imagine there's the top the gear shifter has got SARS on it or something which might kill you, <laughs> or the, the lightest of touches. Mm. I don't even know how he operates the lever, but also it's the it's the it's the it's the wrist and the arm movement poised when he takes his hand off the shifter mm. and he knows he's got to go back on for the next shift in a few seconds' time. It sits there with the wrist almost double backed on itself. Like a praying mantis's um, hypnotic arms. Do you call them arms? Legs? Whatever they are. Mm. It, I mean, there's so many questions here. There's so many questions. I forwarded it to my brother and he keeps <laughs> he keeps messaging me going, still can't stop thinking about that, that bus driver gear shifter. <laughs> <laughs> it has got a haunting quality to it, hasn't it? So, it's again, extremely haunting. It's almost like Ogmios in his school of Zen motoring. There's something sort of hypnotic about it where you just want to keep going back because it's quite restful somehow as well, just just watching this guy just 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 I mean it's not palming, is it? It's not palming the shifter. He's he's I hesitate to say this, but he's fingering the shifter back and forth in this most sort of elegant way that finger and thumbing it. And he also from the side, the guy looks like somebody else, somebody that I know. It's a very it's oh. obviously a European yeah, it's yeah. a European yeah, coach driver, isn't coach, it? Yeah. Yeah, European um, coach. I, I'm just going to give a shout out to Peter Alfred, another listener, because he was one of the first to suggest uh, the Caterham 7 as the ultimate chode shifter, but also he entitled his email Choderum 7, which I quite like. So he gets a, <laughs> a shite eight. Um, <laughs> Chode shifter. Another listener called George Britton, who just, um, he's, I think this is his car. It's a Mercedes, um, I think this is a C class, old shape C class. A manual rare spec and it's okay. a it's quite a proud shifter but with a with a deep well a leather well beneath it uh oh so the fruit bowl the leather fruit bowl yeah. or whatever you called it yeah so george says in typical mercedes fashion they leave no stone unturned one deep and wide gator like the bowl the christmas walnuts get poured into <laughs> two a whiff of cobra in the knob perhaps to placate japanese customers as we said last week japanese cars often seem to be big on the cobra and um oh, they, three, they are massive on the cobra yeah 
And then three, it's a Merc manual, so the gates under the baggy Artico will resemble rugby posts. This <laughs> <laughs> is very true. <laughs> I've just, I've just realised. I know what's extremely. You were saying um, Japanese cars, autos. There's yeah. a lot of unnecessarily oversized shifters. Mm. Um, th- th- what about the Cobra K? K E I. Oh, because I've seen. A lot of K cars, which are obviously yes. tiny, with like yeah. like a t- almost a, a shifter that's so large it requires two hands. You almost need to take both hands off the steering wheel, stick it into D, and then both hands back on the. On I the think st- this is a question of scale, though, because I think probably if you're I don't know Daihatsu or something, you know, you're part of Toyota, you're going to use a parts bin shifter from, yeah. you know, JDM Camry or something. And that what, looks fine in a larger car, yeah. It's the shifter from the LS400 or something like that. I mean, then you put it into a tiny K car and it's all out of whack, but you can't afford to order bespoke parts, so you just run with it. And that's why. Because I know what you mean. Sometimes they are. They're, they're almost hilariously big, aren't they? Just they're overbuilt. You think, what, what's this going to go through? It's taken up with the gear shifter head. <laughs> um uh, well, does anybody know Cobra K, Cobra K? It's the new thing. We all need to find the most ridiculously yeah. oversized shifter for the narrowest car. Um, I know you're busy and I've got stuff to do as well. So let's try and bring this one in on time for once. You're busy. We're not. Look, I'm, guys, we're I'm, all busy. Listen, I'm never too busy for for, for a podcast that um, talks about gear be, shifters. You're talking yeah, well, about phallic gear sh- and cobra head gear shifters. If you've got any gear shifter thoughts uh, or anything else that you'd like to talk to us about, uh, hello at smithandsniff.com is the email address. And uh, we will we will read it, I promise. Uh, we yeah, will we maybe will. even read it out on air if I can prepare properly for a, an episode in future, which I forgot to do this time, but hey-ho. Um, anyway, that's probably enough of all that. But before we go, uh, I've got three things to tell you. They are one. Oh. Johnny has a solo YouTube channel. It's called The Crepe Mistake Show, in which Johnny makes ill-advised choices around the filling of light pancakes. Uh, <laughs> he's in Bruges, where he's asked for Nutella and salmon. Um, oh, if that's gosh. not oh. up your street, then why not watch The Late Break Show? Lots of excellent videos on there, including an idle chat with once-a-year airborne irritant Flant Flanstead. <laughs> 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 Once a year, airborne irritant. <laughs> oh, he's not a flying he's, ant. He's a no. multi-talented car engineer and television personality. Um, I've not watched that yet. Sorry, because I have been really busy this few past few days. But um, I'm going to okay. go and sit down and watch that uh, later on uh, before I sit down with Ogmios. Uh, so um, go and watch that, please. Two parts of it. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I was particularly pleased with um, Ant Anstead on the in the brown chairs and all that. That was the shoot actually that I, f- I I started to develop a migraine towards the end, oh. um, which I don't get very often. I've only ever had two in my whole life, oh. and then I was in that Ford F one fifty Lightning. Had to load mm. the chairs up, basically really struggling, and then drive away from the shoot and pull straight into a farm l- gate layby and fall asleep. Oh. Do you remember I said I fell asleep yeah, in a car? Yeah, you did tell me that. And that was yeah. that was that day. That was Jeez. that day in the Ford F one fifty. Yeah, and I was worried I was going to get carjacked, or, my, my, or as my brother would say, that a trucker would throw a load of Armco Amaretto out the window at you, <laughs> which 
Anyway, uh, all right. Well, look, the second thing I've got to tell you is that we uh, stand by your beds, everyone. The the next Smith and Sniff on that live of things live podcast recording, we're going to announce something very very soon. I hope. I literally just had an email through as we've been talking about it, and it is pretty much green for go. So oh, I hope. Wow. Okay. In uh, very very soon, we will have news of when and where that will be. Yes. Um, so stand by, but there is another we'll live pa- show And patrons, patrons will get the first heads, heads up, I presume. Yeah, patrons will get first dibs on the tickets and then we'll release what's left to the wider world. Uh, yeah. Also, if you are not a patron at the moment, uh, you should know that uh, if it would tempt you towards our Patreon, uh, you can now see a video of our live show at Morgan. Yes. La la. Uh, and the third thing I've got to tell you is that we're all familiar with the famous Hollywood sign, which is, in fact, just being repainted, I think, as we speak, to make it look extra sparkly. But uh, in the late 70s, it had become completely dilapidated to the extent that the third O had fallen over. And a campaign was launched to get rich locals to help rebuild the sign from scratch with a metal fascia rather than just all being wood. The result of which is that the first O in the current Hollywood sign was paid for by Alice Cooper. Really? Yeah. They got rich local people in Hollywood. They asked them if they would chip in $27,778 each to basically, that's what each letter cost. And and various notable local people with cash to burn said, yeah, we'll sign up for it. And Alice Cooper was one of them. He paid for the first O. I'm amazed that Alice Cooper cares about Hollywood. He's too cool for Hollywood. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. He's a good DJ as well. He's, he's funny. He's quick-witted. He is very is. funny. A massive yeah. golf enthusiast as well, weirdly. <laughs> he just Massive. Uh, yeah, I'd like to... imagine him wearing the clobber, but I presume... I'd he... like to chat cars with him. I bet, mm. he's had some, I bet he's had some very odd beasts. Oh, yeah. Automotive beasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's had a Camaro at some point, an IROC, I bet. Something with one of those steering wheels that looks like a chain. Oh, yeah, I've got one of them. Mm. Yeah, I thought you might. I've never, I've never put it on anything because it, it's too dangerous and silly. But I have got it yeah. in the shed. <laughs> it's incredibly uncomfortable to use. Anyway, um, all right. Well, look, that's that for this. But we will do it all again next week. Uh, but until then, thank you ever so much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. I'm I'm Johnny Smith, and this is a podcast. <laughs> you had Sorry, it. I was, I was you staring had it. at doves it's out okay. the window. Um, I think we've got it. We have the constituent parts of it. <laughs> I'm Alice Cooper, and I bought the O in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Veilside Jeans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.